You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. All right, good morning, everyone. Some of you, this may have been the first time you've ever seen video announcements. And so today I'm thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful that we mixed up the order a little bit today. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming and joining us as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, before we get into God's Word this morning, I do want to make a few other announcements. But even before the announcements, I want to ask this. Do we have any military veterans here with us today? If you are a military veteran uh, if you serve, uh, would you please stand right now? Any veterans with us this morning? <laughs> Dear brothers, and if there are any sisters here that didn't stand uh, on behalf of Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your service. We know that freedom is not free. And uh, we don't have to look any further than at the good news of Jesus Christ. For Jesus gave his very own life so that we could be set free from sin. And so we thank you. Um, And I encourage you, dear church, uh, come and say thank you to some of these brothers that stood up uh, this morning. Thank them for their service uh, for our country. Uh, we, we, We thank God for you. Uh, as you've been reminded on, on our uh, announcements on that video, um, you know I want you to I want to remind you to come and participate. Come and pack shoe boxes on Saturday. This past Saturday, yesterday, uh, some of you packaged uh, 400 shoe boxes. All right. So the group that comes this coming Saturday, you only have 300 left. All right. So please come. But that doesn't mean we don't need you. Please come. We need you. All right, took us. We had to scramble. Or they had to scramble. I didn't pack one shoebox yet. Okay? So I can't say we. All right? But we're in this together, right? Uh, but please come. Please come this Saturday. And, and thankfully, we, um, I want to thank you, dear church, for your generosity. We were able to raise all of the money that we set to raise. What, what was the final total? to not only bless children with a gift uh, to remind them and to teach them about the greatest gift that was ever given, but they will also be, they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so thank you, dear church, uh, for serving in this way. Uh, Another way for you to serve. There are these invitations out there on that blue table in the lobby in the narthex. And so I encourage you, dear friends, This is not a Thanksgiving celebration that we are having just for ourselves on November 19th, Sunday. This is an outreach. This is a time for us to invite someone. Everyone, please invite someone. Everyone invite one family. We want to see that lawn next Sunday filled with people because we are going to share the good news of Jesus. We are going to share the reason, the ultimate reason of why we are thankful. Today and every day. This Thanksgiving and every day is because of Jesus. And so I encourage you, dear 
brothers and sisters. Not only come and RSVP, there's a QR code. Please sign up. And if you can help bring some food, you don't have to cook a turkey. We got that covered this year. But if you can warm up a ham, (laughs) that would be great. If you can mash some potatoes, that would be wonderful. Or if you can open up a powdered packet of gravy and mix it with water, that would be helpful as well. Um, So please sign up, respond, but most importantly, come and invite someone. And uh, we pray that people will be saved this coming Sunday. All right? And that they, that this Thanksgiving 2023 would be the Thanksgiving that people would never forget because that's the Thanksgiving that they came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Can you imagine that and what that would be like this Sunday? So please come and please invite someone. Um, how many of you how many of you were born after the year 2000? Anyone? <laughs> I'm laughing because some people raised their hand and they were born in 1999 instead of 2000. Yeah. Anyone born after the year 2000? Well, I want to educate you guys a little bit. Um, did you know that in 1999, the world was in great fear. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because the year 2000 was coming. And all of our analog devices could only go up to, to uh, 999 or whatever. And we were afraid that when those clocks turned or when the date turned to the year 2000, that everything would just shut down and the whole world would burn up in flames. People built silos and safe houses underground and stockpiled water and food because they were scared of the calendars turning to the year 2000. Because for some reason, people predicted that the year 2000 would be the end of the earth. And you know, when I think about that, so now you know, those of you who are younger, okay, now you know this was a huge event in 1999. But we're still here. And the world is still here. But this is nothing new. All throughout history, people have tried to predict the end of the world. And even especially after Jesus spoke and talked about that there would be an end, after the, the prophets of old foretold that there would be an end to the world And there would be end-time events that led up to the the coming, uh, second coming of Jesus. People didn't fully understand, even though Jesus said, nobody knows the time or the day that I will come back. Yet people continue to try to predict and, and, and predict the time and the day that Jesus will come back. It's nothing new. You know, I read about the, <laughs> this one religious sect well, the Jehovah's Witness, that since the early 1800s, they've predicted Jesus' second coming over 10 times. And they're wrong every time. There have been even evangelical Christians who have predicted, some have rented out billboards <laughs> along the highways to predict the end of the earth or Jesus' second coming, just like the year 2000. But sadly, And foolishly, right, they were wrong. 
See, the second coming of Jesus Christ is one of the Bible's most intriguing themes. And, and both Christians and non-Christians alike, uh, <laughs> any of us who try to predict the time or the day that Jesus comes back or that the end of the earth as we know it will come, any of us that try to predict it, we are f- foolish in that endeavor and we're wasting time. But here's the thing. The end of the world as we know it will come. Jesus will come back. He will come a second time. And what we need to do, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we need to carefully consider its eternal implications, the eternal implications of this truth, of this fact. Jesus will come back. The, The world will end as we know it. But what we need to do is consider the eternal implications. You see, for Christians, Jesus' return and really, this is, this is the summary. This is the end of what we are to study today. This is what we should come out with, right? Knowing God's word guards us from deception and worry. But see, as Christians, Jesus' return should fill us with joy and anticipation, not fear and anguish, but joy and anticipation. We should look forward to the day that Jesus comes back, for he says, I am coming back soon. But for those that reject Jesus as Lord, we need to understand that the coming of Jesus a second time is a terrifying promise of divine judgment. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus' second coming should fill us with joy and anticipation. But it should also be a reminder to us for those that haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's a terrifying promise of divine judgment. And see, when we look to God's word, we see, we know, we come to know that God's word, it's the truth of God, right? God's very own words, they help guard us from being deceived. And God's word, God's promises help us from being worried and choosing to worry. And so I want to invite you right now to stand and open up your Bibles. Would you turn to Mark chapter 13? Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Would you please stand and join me as I am standing? I want to read these out loud to you. But as you're turning in there, I want to give you a little background. See, Jesus is going around, right, in his earthly ministry. He's telling the world about himself. Jesus here, in this section, he addresses issues related to the end times. And oftentimes, well, this passage of Scripture is referred to by many as the Olivet Discourse. And because Jesus delivered this message on the Mount of Olives as he was overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And as we study this passage, we'll see that Jesus does not encourage us to set dates or to identify who all of the characters of the end times are going to be, or to determine the time of the day. We don't, it's not, he doesn't share this so that we can identify the Antichrist, so that we can identify the false prophets, so that we can identify the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Instead, Jesus admonishes us to be on guard, and to stay awake, to wake up, and to open our eyes. No one but God knows when the end will come and when Jesus will return. But we must all remain faithful 
especially us, the church. Dear brothers and sisters, we must remain faithful in our service to the Lord and stand firm upon his word with joyful anticipation as we look ahead, as we look excitingly, anticipating the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. So would you stand as I read this passage? Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. We're going to get a little bit of exercise this morning, 23 verses. So please follow along silently as I read them out loud. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all of these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress Unequaled from beginning, from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Heavenly Father, God, we praise you and we thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word, your truth. God, I pray that as we learn more of what you've said and what you've told us and how we are to be on guard, God, I pray that as we put our trust in you, God, that with joy, God, we would look forward to your return. But yet, God, we would not forget the urgency of the day, the reality of today, now, there are so many people that need Jesus. God, I pray that as a church, you'd help us to be faithful. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
First thing that we see here that I want you to think about as we study this passage, number one, is that God's word helps us recognize lies. You know, in our broken world today, we're bombarded with lies. Even in the church, we're bombarded with lies, hopefully not from the pulpit. But see, as we look at social media, as people tell us different things, we always need to make sure that we test anything that we hear, or anything that we're going to believe against God's word. And, and if it doesn't conform to God's word, then we need to conform it. But as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, right, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings, and what they're looking at is the temple, the place of their worship, the place that they felt where God was. A place that was indestructible. Yet what is, look at Jesus' response here. Look at verse 2. He says, do you see all these great buildings? And Jesus says, not one stone will be left standing upright. Not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be knocked down. Every one of these stones will be destroyed. And so we see, right, Jesus. He's sitting on the Mount of Olives telling the disciples this looking over the city of Jerusalem, seeing the temple in all of its grandeur, and yet Jesus says all of it is going to crumble. Well, think about what time this is. See, as we've been studying the gospel of, of Mark here, we need to, to remember that these chapters that we've been studying are all happening within the span of a week, especially these recent chapters. Not the whole book of Mark, but, but this part, Tuesday. This is Passover week, Right? Where all the Jews, they remember how God spared them, showed mercy on them, and provided for them. On, on Tuesday of Passover week, Jesus was in the temple battling the religious leaders, right? Throwing out the, <laughs> those corrupt religious leaders who are, who are seeking to gain monetary profit from people coming to worship God. Wednesday was a full day of preaching and teaching on Thursday, Jesus would celebrate Passover with his disciples and have that last supper where he would establish the new ordinance of the Lord's Supper that we observe. On Friday, he would be crucified. And yet we all know what happens on Sunday, don't we? He rises from the dead. See, but here in this passage was Wednesday. Jesus left the temple courtyards and delivered a final pronouncement of judgment on the heretical beliefs of Judaism. And he gives this instruction to his disciples. And so we saw and we read, right? One of the, the disciples said, look at how beautiful, look at how magnificent the temple is. And see, this was a grand temple with marble and gold it was blinding when the sun would reflect off of this temple, this building. The Jewish people believed the temple to be very, the very sanctuary of God. And right, like I said, almost indestructible. See, Jesus says all of this is going to be destroyed. And do you know what happened in 70 AD? The Roman army under Titus Vespasian, the Roman army destroyed the temple. This building that the Jews almost worshipped, they destroyed it all the way down to its foundation. You see, when Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they heard Jesus' response, they had questions just like all of us have, right? What, Jesus, all of this is going to be destroyed? 
How and when is this going to happen? How will we know that this is going to come? Did Jesus give him the answer? Jesus didn't focus on time. Jesus didn't focus on the day. But Jesus did give them a warning. Jesus said to them, right, in verse 5, Watch out that no one deceives you. Brothers and sisters, we need the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to stand upon the Word of God. Okay, because it's the Word of God. It's truth that helps us combat lies. And all around us are lies, dear brothers and sisters. And so we need to be able to know how to navigate through the lies of this world. And the only way to combat a lie is by replacing it with the truth. How can you replace a lie with the truth? Only when you know the truth. We need to know God's Word. Especially in regards to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Especially in regards to to those events that are going to be happening in the end times before Jesus finally returns. See, God's Word helps us to recognize and overcome lies. And see, dear church, we need to understand that that there are going to be, and there has been, and did you know there are people in this very church that have tried to deceive and to, to lead us astray. And they're not sitting here right now. You see, brothers and sisters, there will be people that try, even to the very second coming of Jesus, there will be people that try to predict the end of the earth. There will be more people that try to predict when Jesus is going to come back, the exact time, the exact day. But we need to understand and we need to listen to what Jesus says. No one knows the time or the day. And there are many of us, I bet if I asked, many of us must have spent hours trying to figure out when that day will be. We read many articles, we've watched so many YouTube videos But let us focus in on the word of God. Nobody knows the time or the date. And you will know that and realize that when you look and you study the word of God here this morning. This passage, right? Jesus says, no one knows the time or the date. Only God knows. But remember this. Jesus will come back soon. And as Christians, right, this should not scare us, for we have the blessed assurance of eternal life, but it should give us a sense of urgency. And I'm so thankful that we study the Bible before worship service, right, and our Chinese-speaking brothers and sisters, they study it after, uh, but we continue to study it in Bible study, and I'm thankful for today's lesson as, as Brother Gary shared with us, and he shared with us his conviction about sharing the gospel knowing that our time is short here on earth, that Jesus is coming back. And I pray, dear brothers and sisters, that we would not fall victim to the lie of this world, that all we need to do is make sure that we take care of our family materially, financially, educationally. But see, we need to remember that our biggest need today is a spiritual need. The biggest need, the greatest need for our world today is Jesus. And we need to never forget that church. Brothers and sisters, Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, I pray that we continue to be a church that proclaims the gospel to the ends of the earth 
so that people may be saved for the rest of forever. Not that we'll just be nice and kind to people so that they will be a little bit more comfortable in their life here on earth. No. I pray that we would always be providers for the world's greatest need. And that's for Jesus. That we'd be examples of Jesus and how we love and how we forgive and how we sacrifice for the benefit of other people. So don't believe the lies because there will be people that try to deceive us. Brothers and sisters, the only way to combat a lie is to replace it with the truth. We need God's word and we need to understand God's word this morning. Secondly, God's word gives us peace during persecution. Brothers and sisters, I know that, dear friends, I know all of you, most of you are going through something difficult today. But see, Jesus, God, tells us about life following him, life in Christ. He tells us it's not going to be a comfortable life. And if anything, dear brothers and sisters, as we follow Jesus, we're going to suffer. And some of you might be thinking, Pastor Steve, why are you telling people about suffering and hardship? We want people to follow Jesus, not run away. I'll tell you this. We follow Jesus because we realize that he's worth it. We follow Jesus, even though we know that he says people will hate you, people will want to kill you, you will be persecuted. Look at what he says in those later verses there. Brother will turn against brother. Children will turn against their parents. Children, this is not a license to turn against your parents and not listen to them. Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying in the end times, families will turn against each other. If you believe in Jesus, people will want to kill you. People will hate you. And see, we know this and we see this all around. If you just simply open your eyes and you look out in our world today. Some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Steve, nobody's ever threatened your life. I'll tell you, yes, they have not. My life has never been threatened because I'm a pastor here at Northwest. But there's persecution all around. You know, I was just reading a statistic that uh, throughout history there have been uh, estimatedly about 70 million Christians that have been martyred for their faith. That means they've been killed, they've been murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And do you know what the percentage is that have been martyred for their faith in Jesus in the 20th century? Do you know how many of those 70 million that are estimated to have been murdered for their faith? 45 million of those 70 million that are estimated to have given their lives for their faith in Jesus Christ. 45 million of them have been murdered in the 20th century. Christians will be persecuted when we open our mouths and we share the good news of Jesus Christ, when we live our lives in obedience to Jesus Christ, in obedience to his word, standing firm upon his promises, we will face suffering. Brothers and sisters, don't ever forget. In Jesus Christ, we can have peace in the midst of persecution. We can have peace in the midst of pain. Because we, you know what we have? We have the promises of Jesus. 
Look at what Jesus says, right? He gives them that warning, right? Be on guard. You must be on guard in verse 9. Because you're going to be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. And what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about the destruction of the temple. And so see, all of these things are going to happen. Some of them have happened already, but some of them are yet to happen. But see, this, this is a mixture of things that Jesus is telling the disciples, not quite giving them all the details so that they're not trying to calculate the day and the time. But we see in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. And we see the, those disciples. What do we know about the disciples? All the disciples, except for John, they were all martyred for their faith in Jesus. You see, in a, in a world that's full of persecution and that rejects Jesus, we know that God's word gives us peace during persecution because we know that in God's word are God's promises. We know what's coming. We should know what's coming. And so therefore, we should not be afraid. We should not worry. We should not be anxious. But we should, with joyful anticipation, look forward to the day that Jesus comes back. But at the same time, right, that conflict, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. Even though I want you to come back, Jesus, so that I can be with you and, and be in a place where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more sadness. But Jesus, I don't want you to come back because there's so many people I know and love that are not saved that if they were to die today, they would spend the rest of forever in hell. Jesus, don't come back yet. Brothers and sisters, do we think about this daily? Do we pray for our loved ones that are lost? Do we know that that's the reality? Do we believe that that's the reality? Or have we believed the lie that, oh, I can just wait. Somebody else will share with them. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know history has lasted this long. <laughs> Jesus probably won't come back soon, even though he says he's coming back soon. Dear friends, don't believe the lies. Jesus is coming back soon. Life here on earth is like a mist. It's like a vapor. We have this treasure. We have the cure for the greatest problem that our world faces today. And so we need to share it. Yes, the temple is destroyed and and yet, as you continue to read on and, and you study this passage here, you look, Jesus indicates that, that the gospel is going to need to be preached to all the nations before he comes back. Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation in verse 14. He's referring to that ultimate desecration of the Antichrist and the temple before he comes back. Jesus speaks about a time of tribulation that's going to happen before he comes back. And finally, Jesus identifies heavenly signs that would accompany the end of the age if you continue on. In that, this passage, like the darkening of the sun and the moon and the falling of the stars from the heavens. Yes, all of this stuff's going to happen before Jesus comes back. But see, right, when you, when, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you by faith, then this should be a time to rejoice and to look forward to his coming. But it, we should also be aware of the warning for those that reject Jesus. You see, even in captivity, Jesus tells them, right? He says, guys, you're going to be killed and, and thrown in jail. People are going to hate you and turn on you. But what does he say? Don't worry. He didn't say, don't worry, be happy. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say to these people who have put you on trial. 
Because you know what? You have a helper. You have my Holy Spirit in you. That's going to give you everything that you need to do everything that I've called you to do. See, Jesus, brothers and sisters, Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the only one who gives eternal life. And dear friends, in this world full of brokenness and heartache, sin and destruction, the only hope for our world today is Jesus. You know, oftentimes I need a heart check. I don't know about you. Oftentimes I need a reality check. Actually, I need it every day. Because sometimes I feel like I'm so busy. I got to go drive my child to this practice or that practice. I got to go pick them up. I got to go study. I got to go make sure and plan for that next event that's coming up. We got to plan for this Saturday, plan for this Sunday. And yet, sometimes I start to live like all there is to this life is just the things that are on this earth. And there's this one story besides the story of Jesus that always comes to mind. You know, a story of a father who is on his deathbed, who lived his life serving the Lord, battling terminal illness, suffering in pain, confined to a hospital bed. His son is at his bedside and, and notices that his dad is struggling, trying to say something, trying to tell him something. And yet he can't make it out as he's sitting just uh, at his bedside. And so... But he notices his father straining and gasping, trying to tell him something. And so the son leans in to his father, towards his father's face. He says, Dad, Dad, what is it? What do you need, Dad? What are you, what are you trying to say? And as the son presses his ear closer to his father's, he finally could hear clearly what his dad was saying. And his dad was saying, Son, win one more for Jesus. Son, win, win one more for Jesus. See, dear church, in this life there's going to be suffering, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be brokenness all around. But dear brothers and sisters, don't forget that our time is so short and Jesus is coming back. And we are his church, we are his beloved children, and we have been given a mission. And we need to accomplish that mission. We need to go to the ends of the earth and tell people the good news of Jesus. Because people are dying and going to hell because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ by his grace through faith. He's called you and me to go and share and to tell people. And yet I ask for his forgiveness every day for how I shy away and I don't open my mouth. I give in to the lie. Oh, this is awkward. This isn't the time. This isn't the place to tell someone about Jesus. No, today is the day of salvation, Jesus says. He doesn't say tomorrow. He doesn't say, oh, go wait till next year. That would be a better time for you to go tell your uncle about Jesus. You don't have next year. We don't know the time. We don't know the day. You see, when you look at this passage, lastly, the third point is this. God's word reminds us of the horror of tribulation, yet of, also of the hope that we have in Jesus. You see, Jesus continues to lay out those events that are going to happen before he comes. He says, guys, look, there's going to be false messiahs. Look, there's going to be false teachers. There are going to be people that even perform these amazing wonders. Yeah, don't believe them. Don't fall for the lies. Don't fall for the tricks. Know what I'm telling you. Recognize, know my word, the truth. 
Stand firm upon it and do not sway to the left or to the right. Do not be deceived. People are going to try to deceive you and lead you to destruction. But church, you have the truth. You have me. You have my very words. Don't fall for the lies. And what does he do? He not only talks about the destruction of the temple, but he also talks about foretelling uh, the end times and the tribulations uh, that are going to take place. He, he references and quotes Daniel chapter 3, the prophecies of old. You see, Jesus connects his words with indescribable suffering of the tribulation. See, and he describes the suffering that it's going to be suffering like you have never known before, like this world has never seen before. But then Jesus finishes this section, right? And I want to end with this. Look at how Jesus ends this section of Scripture. Look at verse 22. All right, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even try to deceive you, the elect, those that God saved. In verse 23, so dear church, be on guard. We do a great job in protecting our homes. We do a great job in protecting our property. Jesus says, be on guard. Guard your hearts. I've told you everything ahead of time. I've told you everything you need to know. Be on guard. Be ready. I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. And so, dear church, when we study the end times, yeah, for Christians, it can be comforting. Yet it can also be troubling. Because in this world that is broken because of sin, we can expect trials, tribulations, and troubles until that day that Jesus comes back. But while we are here, brothers and sisters, while you are here, while Jesus still gives you breath in your lungs, we wait. But we live faithfully in obedience to his word. We're not surprised by wars, as some people are. We're not surprised by catastrophes of nature, as some people are. We're not even surprised by the suffering of God's people, as some people act like it's a surprise that we might suffer. Instead, as Jesus tells us about the future, I pray, dear brothers and sisters, that we would let his words change the way that we live in the present, that we will let his words of the past change and affect how we live from today moving forward, and that we would choose to surrender our lives to him and live for him until we see him face to face that we would not stop sharing and telling of the good news of Jesus Christ so that more people might be saved, so that all people might be saved. With every breath in our lungs until we see Jesus face to face. We do, as Paul encourages in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, that we look ahead to the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, that we would continue to do as John urged in Revelation 22, 20, and pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. And dear brother and sister, as you watch and pray, would you be on guard? Would you choose not to worry or to be anxious? And would you live every day to the fullest in obedience to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? until you see him face to face. Would you do that? Will we do that together? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, God, we praise you and we thank you. Jesus, thank you for saving us and loving us. God, I pray that as in light of your word today, in light of your warning to us today, that yes, this world is going to come to an end. All of our money, all of our, our awards, all of our degrees, all of our positions, they're all going to fade away when you come. And God, I pray that we would be a church. We would be your people that doesn't stop living on mission with you, that doesn't stop telling the world of how great you are, telling the world of the good news that we have all been recipients of through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. God, I pray that every day we would have that prayer that, God, you would help us to lead one more person to faith in Jesus Christ, one more person for Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, we're going to stand and we're going to sing the song. You know, if God has put something on your heart, maybe God is leading you to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, I encourage you to come and talk with me, share it with me so that I can pray with you and encourage you. Brother or sister, if God is leading you to take a next step, I pray that you would take that next step. And not that you have to come forward, but if I could pray with you or encourage you in some way, come and share it with me so that I can encourage you and pray with you. But as we sing this song, would you just open yourself up to how God is leading you to respond from here on out, starting today, as we sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.